Hey everyone, how's it going? This is Azrin, the Language Nerd here. I'm the owner of the Calgary Language Nerds, and welcome to today's podcast episode. In today's episode, what I would like to do is answer some questions that I received about language learning in a Facebook group that I run, which is called the Calgary, I'm sorry, not the Calgary Language Nerds, in a Facebook group I run, which is called the Language Learning Nerds. If you're not a part of that Facebook group, I encourage you to go join it now. Be careful, it's not the language nerds because there is a group called the language nerds. This group is called the language learning nerds. And so make sure you join the right group. Here's a fun little origin story for this group. So I believe in trying lots of different things when it comes to reaching new people and trying to expand your online presence. And so a while back, a number of years back, I thought I would try making a Facebook group. I didn't know what I would do with it. I didn't really know how to run a Facebook group. I didn't know if it would be a success or a flop. I really didn't know anything at all. But I thought, well, let me try making one and let me see what happens. For a number of months, probably something like three to six months, nothing happened. As in, very few people joined the group. No one was really posting in the group. And suddenly, I don't even know why, people started to join the group after about three to six months. And lots of people, like 20 a day, 40 a day, 50 a day, like huge quantities of people were joining the group. People were were posting in the group. And it, for some reason, probably Facebook changed their algorithm. It became a lively group, which today has about 180,000 people in it. It's got enough activity that I've had to hire a part-time person at my business at the Calgary Language Nerds to help run the group and moderate the group. So a lesson I learned, and maybe this is a lesson you can take away too, is you can try different things. A lot of them won't work, but a lot of them will when it comes to trying to grow a business, when it comes to trying to learn a language, when it comes to any kind of endeavor where you want to grow something or improve something, trying new things is a very, very good idea, even though a lot of them may not work out. So with that aside, let's dive into some of these questions from the Language Learning Nerds Facebook group. The first one here comes from Adam. Adam says that he's struggling to find a partner with whom he can practice his target language. There's a couple of really easy solutions to this. You can either find a language exchange partner. So this would be someone that you you help them practice a language you speak. They help you practice a language you're learning. You can find language exchange partners on two primary apps. One of them is called Tandem. One of them is called called Hello Talk. Both of them are great, and that's a wonderful place to go. Uh, The other place you could go is you could find a tutor, and that's another way to get some speaking practice. It's obviously not free to find a tutor, but I personally have a slight preference towards, towards tutors. I find that they make better conversation practice partners as a general whole. Um, than language exchange partners. Not by much, because you find some really good language exchange partners too. But for a tutor, I do find that, generally speaking, I find better conversation practice partners with tutors than I do with um, language exchange partners. Let's go to the next question here. This one comes from Naive, I think, if I'm pronouncing that right. N-A-I-V-E. And uh, they're having trouble memorizing words. So great question. So I think when it comes to memorizing words, uh, there's a few different approaches you can use. Me personally, 
all I do is I don't try to study vocabulary lists or, or jam them into my brain. I just try to have lots of interaction with, with the language. This could mean speaking with native speakers, advanced speakers. This could mean doing lots and lots of listening, lots and lots of reading. And especially when you're in the beginner intermediate phases, most of the words you don't know, they're high frequency words. So if you don't know the word for swim, for example, and you come across the word swim when you're reading a book, and then you look it up, and now you've learned the word swim, well, I don't, personally, I don't worry too, too much about memorizing swim right on the spot, because swim is such a high-frequency word, it's going to come up again probably in the next three days if I'm practicing the language regularly. So I'm going to see it again just by doing lots of reading, lots of listening, and lots of speaking with native or advanced speakers. That's me. Um, but if you're not going to go about it that way, then I think it, um, I think that essentially the big thing is you just have to be doing regular practice in one way, shape or form. And you cannot just be trying to shove the brains into, shove the words into your brain. It can't be just drilling the words every single day that will work to an extent, but it's not going to, it's not going to be effective in the long term. You need, you're going to need, in my experience, genuine interaction with native speakers and advanced speakers, uh, list, doing lots and lots of listening and lots and lots of reading. That's going to be the thing that helps you memorize words. On top of perhaps some drills you do or reviewing your notes and rewriting your notes and trying to really mem actively memorize words, on top of that, because that can also really help. I don't personally do it, but I know lots of people that do and they find it quite beneficial. Uh, let's go to the next question here. It comes from Eve. Eve says, I'm having trouble speaking in my target language. Um, and she specifies saying that her speaking skills are extremely limited when compared to listening, comprehension, reading, and writing. So I have a few thoughts on this. Uh, you're struggling more. General rule of thumb. If you struggle with something in a language, whether it's speaking, reading, writing, whatever it is, it means that you probably don't practice that as much as you should or as much as you could be. So if you struggle with speaking, you're probably doing a lot more I'm sorry, if you're struggling with speaking, but you're not struggling as much with listening comprehension, reading and writing, it very likely means you're doing more listening comprehension, reading and writing than you are speaking. Very likely. So as a general rule of thumb, whatever the thing that you're struggling the most with is probably something you should practice more. There's exceptions to the rule, but generally that's a good guideline to follow. Um, I would also... I would also have you think about why your conversation skills are lacking, what's causing that. There tends to be a few common uh, culprits. So the first one is a lack of vocabulary. The second one is a lack of grammatical knowledge in order to actually form sentences. Uh, the third one is just a lack of practice because you might have the words and the grammar in your head. You do have the theoretical knowledge, but you haven't practiced doing that enough. And the fourth one might be nerves and anxiety. You just get caught up in your own head. So you got to identify which one of those it is. Uh, if it's vocabulary or grammar, it probably means that trying to improve your speaking is not the thing you should be focused on right away because you clearly have some vocab and grammar gaps to fix. If you do have the vocab and grammar, uh, but you're not able to express yourself, a great place to start is to do self-talking, self-talk. So every day or as often as you can, you actually talk out loud in your house or apartment about whatever, about topics that you've chosen in advance and practice those out loud. 
because you can develop a lot of fluency by doing so. Uh, you can develop a lot of fluency by doing so. You're not getting feedback and getting your mistakes corrected, but at least you're you're developing your fluency. Going to the next one here, I have uh, not sure how to pronounce this. It's S H I H. They've just said they struggle with listening. So when it comes to listening, I've got a bit of a process you can follow. First of all, first you got to find something that's roughly at your level to listen to on YouTube or a textbook audio or whatever it is. Next, listen to the entire audio from start to finish without pausing. Next, rewind back to the beginning. Listen to it again. This time you're going to enable same language subtitles. Uh, so if you're, it's, it's a French audio, enable French subtitles, English audio, English subtitles, so on and so forth. And you're going to pause regularly reading the subtitles, listening to what they're saying to dissect what is being said in the video. You're welcome to use a dictionary or translator at this part. Do this line by line and rewind. Yes, do this line by line throughout the whole video. Next, watch the video again with the subtitles and see after having gone through it and looked, having looked up all the words you didn't know, see if you're able to understand it a bit more. Odds are you will be able to. If you do that process and then re-listen a couple of times after you have, you'll, be, you'll really start to develop your listening abilities. Another little hack for listening, for, for beginners especially, and even low intermediates and mid-intermediates, don't listen to, don't try to translate word per word. Listen for the general gist of what people are saying. So can you get the general idea, even though you didn't get all the words? Uh, that'll be a great hack for the first 50% of your learning journey. Once you get more into the upper intermediate phase and advanced phase, you, you probably need to stop doing that in order to fine tune the lang your language abilities. But in the early phases, that's a great little hack you can use. Uh, next two questions here are very similar. So we have um, uh, Maria who says she's having trouble memorizing kanji. And then Ruth who says she's having a difficult time memorizing uh, Chinese characters. So it's the same question essentially, just two different languages. Maria also added that she's trying trying to learn 220 characters in 35 weeks. She's in the 34th week now, but she's still unable to manage to memorize all those characters. So I actually want to do some quick math here. 220 over 35 weeks is about six, roughly six or seven characters a week. It's not crazy high, but I got to say that, you know, if you're a beginner, boy, that is might be a little bit ambitious, depending on how much time you're dedicating toward the language. Um, so when it comes to learning kanji and Mandarin, like Chinese characters, uh, the biggest thing that I, th I find helps me is to reframe the time frame. Reframe the time frame. What does this mean? Well, in most languages that are alphabet-based, English, French, uh, ja um, not Japanese, uh, Arabic, uh, Russian... You have an alphabet, you learn the alphabet, and once you've learned the alphabet, you can read. You might not understand what you're reading, but at least you can sound things out. Well, Japanese and Mandarin are different. These are not alphabet, not exactly alphabet-based languages. Japanese is to an extent, but not 100%. So what that means is, roughly speaking, the amount of time it takes you to develop fluency in terms of speaking and listening is roughly the same as the amount of time it'll take you to read and write fluently. Whereas in most languages, that's not really the case. You can learn to read things and sound things out a bit faster because they're alphabet-based languages. 
But for Japanese and Mandarin, you need to reframe the time frame. You need to you need to realize that if it's going to take you five years to achieve a intermediate level of speaking and listening, it's probably going to take you five years to do the same for reading and writing, roughly speaking. Maybe one comes slightly faster than the other, but roughly speaking, that's going to be the case. Also for Maria, uh, something I, I think will really help you uh, when it comes to your goal and anyone who sets language learning goals, I had an epiphany earlier today. I'm probably going to make a separate podcast about it. So you're going to hear this twice, twice from me, I'm thinking. Um, so when it comes to setting goals, the more you care about a goal and the, and the bigger the goal, the more ambitious the goal, the more your emotions will fluctuate when things go right or when things go wrong. In other words, if you have a goal, a big goal that you care deeply about, when things don't go your way as you work towards that goal, you're going to feel stressed and anxious and you're going to feel unhappy. When things go well and you start to progress towards that large goal that you've made, you're going to feel happy about it and you're going to feel motivated. You might even still feel anxious as you make progress because maybe you're not happy with the amount of progress you made. Because maybe you're trying to learn 220 characters and you're two weeks in and you've only learned three characters. So you've made progress, but not enough. So sometimes the progress might even also lead to negative emotion. So this leads to a problem. People wonder, well, at least I was wondering, well, how the heck can you send up, how the heck can you set meaningful goals if the more meaningful the goal is, the more you're prone to emotional flux, emotional fluctuations as you work towards the goal? For me, I was actually pretty, I was more stressed and anxious than I usually am because I've been setting some more meaningful and bigger goals lately. And I noticed my my emotional well-being was suffering. I was having higher highs and lower lows, and I was not happy about that. And I had an epiphany, which has helped me overcome this recently. So here's what I've decided to do. First, and I think this can help you too. First, you have to set your goal whatever the goal is, it can be as important to you. It should be super important to you. That's great. Okay. So set a goal, make a plan, a plan, meaning a to-do list of tasks that you do on a day by day or week by week basis that you're going to like cross off your list that will help you move toward the goal. And then you have to follow the plan. So set a goal, make a plan, follow the plan. But here's the most important part. Do not do not base your emotional well-being on the results on the results so in other words if you've set a goal of 220 characters do not base your emotional well-being on if you are making progress towards learning 220 characters instead what you want to do is you want to base your emotional well-being more upon your to-do list and your plan did you actually follow your plan? And so then you're going to end up with one of three scenarios. You followed your plan and you either hit the goal or you progress towards the goal. One of the two. More often than not, you'll just make progress. If that, if that is what happened, for me, I've decided to feel great. That's positive. Yes. High five. Good job. If I followed the plan, but I made zero progress... I'm still going to feel great. I'm still going to high five myself because like quite literally, I made the best plan I could. I didn't make a stupid plan or maybe it was a stupid plan, but it's a, it's the best plan I could have made. 
And so there's nothing different when looking back, there's nothing different that I could have done with the knowledge that I had. So I still give myself a high five, but then I try to learn from why the plan didn't work and I try to adjust it for the next week or the next day or the next month or whatever time frame we're talking about. And I still feel emotionally great. I don't feel discouraged because, well, what else could have I done? And again, I'm basing my emotional well-being on following the plan, not necessarily on hitting the goal. The third scenario is I didn't follow the plan. And if I didn't follow the plan, regardless of the results, I'm not going to feel good. That's what I decided. Um, I wrote in my notes, I was journaling about this, that this system should work very well. If I follow, this, this should work very well for myself, and I think it'll work very well for you. A personal rule that I've set is I'm allowed to go 18 months straight without progress. That's the runway I'll give myself. So I'm, if I make plans, I follow the plans, I don't make progress in one week, that's okay. I'm going to adjust the plan. I'll try again the next week. And if I make zero progress again, no problem. Let me try. Let me fix some things again. Let me try again. No progress again, no problem. And I'll do that for a maximum of 18 months. If after 18 months, I've still made zero progress, first of all, I don't see how that could even happen. But let's say it did. Barring tragedy or illness, because those are exceptions, barring those, I would at that point probably need to re, 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 um, uh, reconsider my goal and maybe make some changes to it. Because maybe the goal is completely wrong at that point. If I've gone 18 months and I've really been trying and made zero progress, there's probably something wrong with the goal or something really has to change then. So I think that's maybe something for you, Maria, to think about is, you know, maybe you've got to set your goal, you've got to make your plans to hit the goal, but don't base how you feel on if you hit the goal or not, but rather, did you follow your plan? Did you make progress? If you didn't make progress, did you do your best to adjust the plan to hopefully make progress? And if you did that, well then, wonderful. You're, you're just keep doing that and feel great that you're doing that. Life is about the process. It's not about the results. You're all going to die anyway. So it's not going to matter if you accomplish it or not. We're all going to die. So, you know, learn to enjoy the process. Uh, moving on. This person has a lot of, uh, Michael, Michael here has a lot of uh, typos here in his comment. But I think what he's asking is he's struggling between a grammar point, but there's a lot of typos. So I'm not exactly sure, but it looks like he's struggling with uh, a grammar point. Uh, for a grammar point, so I usually start by learning the theory behind the grammatical point. Uh, I'll learn the theory. I'll do some practice exercises, some worksheets. Uh, I'll ask questions to a tutor. If I still don't get it by doing exercises and looking at the theory, which happens, then what I start to do instead is I listen. I'll listen to native speakers a lot and I'll notice and I'll try to hear when they use the grammar point and I'll try to listen to the context in which they use it. I'll even myself, I'll even start memorizing slowly but surely different phrases that incorporate the grammar point that I'm struggling with. So in French, there's a subjunctive, which I never really understood. Or actually, span, uh, no, French is the best one to, to explain here. So in French, there's a subjunctive, which is a grammar point that is difficult for a lot of English learners. For me, I learned it primarily by just learning a bunch of common phrases that use the subjunctive, but I didn't really know why I was using the subjunctive. 
So I would say things like, il faut que je fasse, which means I have to do something. I would say things like that. And then over with time, what ended up happening was um, when I went back to study the, gram the, the theory again, I'd memorized so many phrases that the theory sort of just made sense and it clicked in my mind. I've done that for Mandarin for different grammar points. I've done it for a variety of different languages for a variety of different grammar points. Uh, for me, it works like a charm and I see it work for others too. It's hard for some people's brains because they really want to understand it immediately and just kind of get it. Let me tell you, it's not going to work. So uh, yeah, it's not going to work. Very likely it's not going to work. If you're trying to intellectually understand it and it's a really complex grammar point, you might be able to do it. Some people can. But if you've tried to and it's still not working, you've got to try something different. Whether it's the strategy I gave or you got to sit down and figure out what strategy you're going to use. Clearly, your strategy is not working. Um, next one here is from Catherine, who also uh, asked about vocabulary. We talked about vocabulary, so let's kind of move on. <laughs> um, saw a funny comment. One, one person says, nothing's hard. I'm just being lazy. Fair enough, man. <laughs> we don't need to comment on that today. Uh, Dub White says they're not getting corrected enough to feel co comfortable speaking it. So in other words, they feel like if someone corrected them more often, they'd feel more comfortable speaking. You may want to find a tutor who will correct you more often. However, I wouldn't be surprised. Most people who get corrected more often, not everyone, but many people who get corrected more often, it actually makes them more self-conscious when all said and done. There are exceptions to this, though. I know my own mother is one of those exceptions. She's learning French. She needs everything corrected. She's a rare, a rare bird who needs everything corrected when she's speaking. She wants them all, and it actually helps her. So her tutor does that, and it works well. Well, it works pretty damn well, actually. I've seen, I've seen it with my own eyes work really well. So you might want to find a tutor and have the tutor correct, correct you more often. Uh, Keith says, uh, struggling with sustained energy and materials. So the motivation side, I'm not going to touch too, too much today because it's such a deep topic. And I, I'd want to talk to Keith with the, in a little bit more detail to figure out what does that mean? Sustained energy, different people struggle with motivation for different reasons. Maybe you just work 80 hours a week, in which case, well, no duh, you have no energy. That makes sense. And, you know, you'd have to work less hours and maybe that's not an option for you. You know, maybe sustained energy is because you're trying to study in the morning and you're not a morning person. Maybe sustained energy comes from the fact that you're learning the language because you have to and not because you want to. So, you know, you're not motivated. There's so many places it can come from. All I'll say is you got to figure out what's the root cause of that lack of energy. And that's what you have to attack. In terms of lack of materials, he hasn't mentioned which language he's learning. But um, uh, I wish he had because then I would give more specific advice. But Keith, if you're listening, send me a message. I can give you some more specific advice based on the language you're learning. Moving on to Christy. Christy is struggling with verb conjugation. So we talked a little bit about grammar already. I'll go specific to verb conjugation. So for verb conjugation, what'll work uh, is uh, doing verb drills. That'll work. Um, worksheets with the verb conjugation drills. That'll work. Trying to converse with people and implementing your verb knowledge. That'll work. Lots of listening, lots of reading, paying paying close attention to how people are conjugating verbs when they communicate, when you see it in reading. That'll work too. I think put all those together and you'll put all that together, be patient, and you'll get a lot better at verb conjugations. 
Uh, we have another one here about vocabulary and speaking in uh, the target language. We've sort of addressed that, so we can move on. Uh, we have another one here about from Erica, trying to balance which language to learn first. She needs to learn two languages at once. So general rule of thumb, dedicate three, if you are serious about making progress, dedicate three to five hours a week per language that you're learning. So you'll need six to 10 hours a week if you're trying to learn two languages and make serious progress in both. Okay. Uh, Jasmine says studying hasn't really specified what that means in what sense, but uh, Jasmine, if you if you made it to this part of the podcast, maybe you can specify and I can I can help. Uh, Lenny has mentioned grammar, so same thing. We've talked a lot about grammar. This is specifically for Korean. Um, not sure if you tried hiring a tutor for like I keep going back to tutors, but tutors is like a magic bullet in many ways. A good tutor can really help. And I think, Lenny, a lot of the grammatical things I said earlier will probably apply to you, too. And, um, yeah, let's wrap it up there. Thanks for listening. I hope this is helpful for you guys. If you're not in my Facebook group, it's called The Language Learning Nerds. So uh, go check that out. And we'll talk soon. Bye for now. See you.